Hello, I'm Richard Pyatt, and this is Legally Speaking. One of the duties of the Utah Attorney General's Office is to promote responsibility. Now, that may sound like a mundane and bureaucratic description until you factor in the fact that we're talking about things like child support, enforcing child support orders, and recovering benefits. Yes, very heavy responsibility. The AG's Division of Child and Family Support represents the Office of Recovery Services, which is Utah's child support agency, in this effort. And here with me to educate us on the important job this office performs are Section Director Will Miller and Assistant Attorney General Ben Stoneman. Thanks for joining us today. Now, the description online uh, about what your office's job is to, quote, do the legal work for the Office of Recovery Services and to promote responsibility. We can help ensure, it goes on, that parents are financially responsible for their children by providing child support services and support for children in care. This sounds like a really big job. Will, is it? I, I think it's an important job um, it, and a, a good public service for the people of the state. But I, I think we enjoy doing it, so so it's not a, a burden for us. But it sounds like it, you're kind of in a position, I think, Ben, of coercing people or, or kind of going using the legal system to getting people to do the right thing, which isn't always easy. Is it, that Am I correct? It, it, it's not easy. Um, coercion is, I, I mean, ultimately, uh, we have the benefit of not being prosecutors, um, where our only job and when it comes to enforcement of child support orders is to get people to become compliant with their obligations. So really, um, it's it, having ultimately there could be a sanction involving jail time. Um, for failure to pay child support, but that's absolutely the last thing we want, you know. So I, I like to look at it as a process of just trying to bring everybody to um, a realization that they have this obligation and they have a responsibility to meet that obligation. But give me some kind of an idea. What does it take for someone to get into your sites? Like what what has to happen before you start taking action? Well, um, ORS has a number of standards that um, uh, determine when they send a case down to us. Um, for example, I think it's, and Will can correct me on this, but I, it, sometimes the standard has been if somebody has not made a child support payment in over six months or if they've reached a certain amount of money that's passed, you know, that, that they're in arrears for. Um, and then at that point, they determine that it's ready for judicial enforcement, and then they'll send it down to us. I think the other important part is that um, the people have to open a case with the Office of Recovery Services. If they don't have a case open, it will never make it to us. Okay, so, so, so um, one of the parents would have to contact the office and say, hey, I'm not getting my money. What are you going to do about it? That's right. Yeah. Um, they open up a case and... Or more, maybe more accurately, can you help me? Yes. Um, because there's a lot of services that ORS can provide um, to, to help them out in their cases. Even when the, the people are being compliant and paying, um, ORS can just make their lives easier by being part of that child support process. So are you um, in a position of having to sort of track people down? And um, and contact them and just sort of, I guess. The, what are the what are the steps? Do you do you track them down? 
send reminders to them saying, hey, you've got this obligation, FYI, or, or how does that work? Um, sometimes we do have to find them. Um, by the time that a case gets down to us, uh, ORS will have been trying to reach them and contact them via mail and telephone calls uh, to say, hey, you know, you are this much behind in child support. You need to make your payments. Um, when it comes down to us, sometimes uh, in order to begin an enforcement process in the courts, we need to personally serve the um, the NCP, the non-custodial parent, who's the obligor for child support. And so, yeah, in that case, finding them is a big deal. And it's uh, we do spend a lot of time trying to uh, just locate people so we can serve them with um, with with process. Will, how many how many cases do you have in your uh you know, that your office is handling right now approximately. Do you have any idea? In general, each attorney is handling 200 cases at any given time, and we have 18 attorneys across the state. Um, so we're handling about 3,600 cases at any given time, and those rotate through pretty rapidly. Um, a lot of our cases we can get done in about three to four months, and then a, a new case takes its place. And so it's 3,600 at any given time changing constantly. So we have offices, the Attorney General Office uh, has offices in Ogden, Provo, and in Richfield, as well as Salt Lake and St. George. Are those offices also expanding as the state's population expands, Ben? Um, and uh, Will would probably be in a better position to um, uh, talk about this point, but I don't think we've actually increased the number of attorneys that we have in um, in quite some time. So it's the population has grown, but in terms of whether there's anything um, coming down about uh, increasing the size of any of our offices, yeah, Will might be. Um, Will would you would you say that our caseload, even though the the personnel hasn't changed, is our caseload growing? No, actually, the caseload's staying roughly the same, and this is a trend that has been happening across the nation, that even though population is increasing, um, fewer people are, are accessing these child support services, and so that's something that that the Office of Recovery Services is working on right now is trying to let more people know that they're out there and available to help people out. Um, because there's really great services, but but I just think a lot of people may not know that it's available, and that's why the the caseloads aren't increasing at this time. So, uh, talk a little bit about the track that cases t typically get on. You mentioned that uh, the person has to uh, file or let the office know, and then what happens? So, in terms of enforcement, um, I, I mean, so there's a number of different services that ORS provides, but it, in terms of enforcement, if somebody, say a CP, a custodial parent, um, wants help getting child support collected, um, that person, we'll call her a she, um, it's frequently the mom, um, would fill out an application form with ORS, have a case opened. Um, and then if child support is not being paid and it meets uh, the requirements for ORS, uh, then they will refer it down to us. Um, in this scenario, supposing there was a judicial order, we could intervene in that um, in that case, and then we could begin trying to enforce it. Um, if there wasn't a judicial order, we would have to establish one and go um, and actually go into the court and say there is not a child support order in place right now, and so we need to get a child support order established. So, 
uh, Will, if if a, a person comes in and says, I've been awarded child support, I haven't gotten any, and they initiate the process, how long can it be before they start actually seeing a chick in the mail or a Venmo a, a transfer or however we're doing it these days? Um a lot of that depends on the other parent and and how willing they are to to comply or how strongly they want to avoid. Um, a lot of the times, it's probably three months before we get them in front of court and we have a chance to convey to them how serious the the circumstances are. And a lot of times that will get people to start complying then. And so uh, oftentimes it's just a few months. Um, but other people... Um, for emotional reasons, uh, really want to fight this, and and those cases can take a lot longer. So I imagine that by the time it gets to our office, um, the cases have the potential of being somewhat complex emotionally as well as legally. Does it take some time, Ben, to sort of unravel what's really going on, get away from the he said, she said, and find out what what legally is happening? And and, and is there resistance or any kind of uh, you know challenge along the way that maybe takes you out of the legal realm and into more, more like a human relations kind of mode? Well, yeah. I mean, so this is, this is family law. And so we are fortunate in this office that our mandate is pretty much just money. Um, but for the parties that are involved, it's wrapped up with everything else. It's wrapped up with, you know, a relationship that ultimately didn't work out. And with children, there's, you know, parent time and custody issues that we don't take a position on, but they tend to see it as a whole, which is understandable. Um, but we come in and we're like, look, we, we just need to know how much the parties make. We need to establish incomes and then we need to apply the statutory guidelines. And a lot of times that's um, parties can be resistant to that because they want to resolve all of the other issues. Um, and that's not something we we take a position on. So, yeah, it, it can be at least emotionally for them. It can be difficult for them to separate the different issues in their case. So go ahead. Will. I, I was just going to say, I think this is one of the biggest services we provide because the people are, are wrapped up, like Ben was saying, in all these emotional issues and all these complicated things. And we can come in and be a non-emotional, logical people, just making sure the children are taken care of and provided for and, and help bring calmness to the situation. So have you refined those skills? Well, you're section director now, so I imagine you were pretty good at your job and you got promoted. Is this, is this a job that uh, you have an affinity for? Or is it Because it doesn't seem like this is the kind of job that just anybody could do. Not every lawyer is going to be happy doing this kind of work. I think so. I think it's a, maybe a non-traditional route for a lawyer. It's It's definitely not the power job that you think of when you think of people who go to law school, but... I find it very fulfilling and um, I like the challenge of trying to to get things to work together and get all the pieces to match up, but also to keep it on the level and provide some uh, a, a consistent place rather than getting caught up in the emotion uh, of everything. And Ben, this is something that speaks to you too. You'd rather be here than an antitrust or one of the other divisions? Absolutely. Um, I I enjoy having a larger caseload. 
um, the, the juggling act of trying to keep all of these cases straight and going to court multiple times, you know, a week or in a month. Um, I, I really enjoy that. I can't imagine having a caseload that was only like, say, five or six really big cases um, as opposed to having 100 or 200 or something like that, you know. And so it seems like a little bit more of a stepped-up pace rather than having a hearing in uh, August that you're looking forward to. Yeah. You probably got a hearing Monday. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And on the um, – in Salt Lake in the 3rd District, we have the big debt collection calendar, and all the attorneys in this office will frequently have two or three cases on that one alone. So, I mean, and the, and the cases are frequently not very long. You know, the hearing will take five, ten minutes, um, but sometimes they can be very long. It just it kind of depends on how much stuff is mixed up in it. Will, what aspects of this job or the, of this office do you think the public should know but probably doesn't know? You kind of addressed that a little bit uh, a little bit earlier, but are there things that, that you feel take this opportunity to sort of educate people about what we do here? All right. I think um – we provide a really great service to the people of state and not enough people know about it or take advantage of it. But they should be aware that there is a lot that the Office of Recovery Services can do for them and make their lives easier and simpler, but also much more inexpensive um, because there's a lot of legal services that can be provided for free. And the Office's Recovery Services will collect a very small amount. It's up to it's $12 a month that they're collecting a whole lot of money for you, but but usually it's a very small percentage and it's only collected if they recover. And for that, they provide services of establishing child support, establishing paternity, modifying, um, that would cost you thousands and thousands of dollars if you went to a private attorney to have that done. Uh, so it's a really great benefit to the people of the state of Utah. The child support program is one of the most effective anti-poverty programs in the country, brings millions of people above the poverty line every year. And it's available, it's out there, it's super uh, affordable and effective, and people should take advantage of it. And um, it, and ORS, and I, I like to tell this to the parties that we deal with, um, ORS is a benefit for both the payor of child, child support and the receiver of it, um, which sounds counterintuitive, but it it really isn't. It's it's to everyone's benefit for the payor to have like a record that every month he's paying this amount of money towards his child support obligation. And then there's a neutral third party that receives it, that accounts for everything and then distributes it to the person who receives the child support rather than having an informal agreement to pay a certain amount maybe every month and um, that gets mixed up with everything else. But in terms of money, ORS just handles all of that and it removes that one area of potential dispute between the parties. So what's the, what's the person um, has, the, has the funds recovered to start re- receiving it? Is there any kind of a follow-up on the part of the office to ensure that the money that they're now receiving is being used appropriately and, um, and isn't being, um, you know, used to buy drugs or alcohol or something like that. Is there any kind of mechanism to double check that or is that more of a long-term kind of consideration? Under the statute, the paying parent can request uh, an accounting of how the funds are being used. Um, it doesn't happen a whole lot. Usually the people who are using the services 
have children that really need to be provided for. And so the money is clearly going to them. Um, but that is an option out there where an accounting can be requested and it can go towards the court to show how the funds are being used. And um, and sometimes the, the NCPs, the non-custodial parents, will raise that issue in court and they'll say, well, you know, I want to know how this money is being spent. Generally, the judge's or the commissioner's response has been, well, do the kids have a home? And if the, they do have a home, he's like, well, then the money's going towards rent. Are the kids eating food? Well, then the money's going towards the food. So it's it, it would be difficult to demonstrate that all the money that a person is getting for child support is being spent on something like drugs, unless that was actually what's happening. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate you shedding light on this area of the office that a lot of people don't really know about, unless you're in a very difficult situation. So I want to thank you both for joining us here on Legally Speaking today. Thank you for having us. Okay, thanks. Great. And we'll talk to you next time on Legally Speaking. Bye.